the world has ended. Gone are the old gods. They lay buried beneath the earth, their names forgotten. It began over a thousand years ago. The gods grew tired of mortal kind, the shackles created by their worship. They decided it was time to unmake their work and move on from this realm. The few that chose to defend their creation stood and fought for the lives of their people. War raged. Gods fell from the sky. The earth shook. And reality was strained to the point of breaking. In the end, the world stood whole, but unrecognizable. The earth was swept by howling winds and devastating storms. Mortal kind survived by living underground for several generations. When the winds finally abated, mortals attempted to reform civilizations from the age before the sundering. Kingdoms rose and fell, but then came the Anthonian Empire. Emperor Anthonius was a powerful elven wizard. With the old gods gone, Anthonius declared himself a deity and enslaved the mortal races. Centuries passed under the rule of the Empire before Anthonius was overthrown. But in the end, the Emperor had the last laugh. His death unleashed a curse upon the world. Plague and famine ravaged the land. Hordes of orcs, goblins, and other monstrosities arose in untold numbers. Mortal kind dwindled to a handful of fortified cities built on mountaintops and other such isolated locations. That is, until a marvelous machine was engineered. It was the year 1107 post-sundering that gnome, miner, and inventor Kenrink Draxelspan discovered a natural reserve of methane gas deep beneath the city of Airpike. Using this discovery, he engineered the very first airship. Thanks to these machines, the remnants of mortal kind were able to once again unite and drive away the monstrous hordes. Thus, the Confederacy of Analden was born. Now, the loosely associated districts moved to expand their territories, attempting to settle the relentless frontier. In the millennia since the fall of the old gods, seven new divine entities have made their presence known. The mother is kind and caring. She requires her followers to uphold a high moral standard, to always give aid to those in need. The dragon is the protector against catastrophe, though it has been prophesied that he will be the one to destroy the world. The crone encourages her followers to gather knowledge, to keep it safe and pass it down to the next generation. The warden walks the world in physical form to help those who have lost their way. He protects civilization from the wilds of the frontier. The Great Oak is the guardian of nature and stands against the destruction caused by industrialization. The Wolf embodies the chaotic and vicious nature of the wild. And last is the Undertaker, god of the dead. He ensures that those that die find peace and stay at rest. The world is now a weird and wild place. 
with civilization trying to find root and tame the surrounding land. With the danger of the frontier a constant threat, Lord Mayor Galen Van Alden issued one last decree before he died. From his deathbed, he conceived the Dead Man's Promise. Better known as the DMP, those that took up the cause would roam the frontier to confront the weird and wild, while also hunting down wanted criminals. Not all DMP members are perfect, but the agency as a whole works towards the greater good of the citizens of the district. However, a new organization has arisen in the last two decades. A company known as the 42nd Mercenary Troop has been recruiting ever-growing numbers with promises of glory and riches to those that join. A rivalry has sparked between the two organizations, and now it's only a matter of time before things get ugly. In the capital city of Airpike, Lord Mayor Gallen Van Alden III is facing off against a new political rival, businessman Leroy Brown. Brown promises to bring peace to the frontier by any means necessary. And amidst all of this, a stranger has been seen roaming the countryside, shaking hands and making deals. A man with dark skin and golden eyes. This is the Fey Wild West. Céline Argent grew up in a small farming community that produced silk just outside the affluent town of Blue Peak in District 1. When she was seven years old, Céline's community was attacked by the ravenous undead, stalking through the fog and devastating the small farms as they went. Céline's mother hid her under the floorboards of their house, instructing her to stay hidden until it was safe. It seemed like hours that Celine hid in the darkness, listening to the screams of terror and the valiant attempts to fight off the corrupted dead. When the noise finally died down, she fearfully emerged from her hiding place. Celine wandered out and saw the cold bodies of her parents, torn apart and left to rot. It was not just her parents, but most of her community Celine began to cry, her tiny body shaking with fear and grief. It was then that the sound of wings caught her attention. Crows called at her from the trees as they fluttered down, gathering around a figure kneeling on the ground. His long, thin body bent over one of the bodies, a measuring tape stretched out before him. Celine's eyes widened as she beheld the man, a top hat, a black suit, and magnificent black wings that spread from his shoulders. The small girl's tears stopped as she beheld him, feeling a sort of strange peace fall over her.
It was then that the man looked up, his face obscured by a pointed bared mask. Even though she could not see his eyes, she knew he was looking at her. It was in this moment, as she stood before the god of death himself, that Celine knew it was her time to die. The figure held out his hand to her, and she took it, his spindly fingers wrapping around her tiny palm. Surely death could not be so bad if this was what was to greet her. Her face still wet with tears, she smiled up at him and said, as if to assure him, I am not afraid. The next thing that Celine knew, she was being carried in the arms of a constable from Airpike, who had been sent to rescue the survivors of the devastated community. Celine was taken to the Cathedral of the Mother in Blue Peak. A strange child from the very start, children and adults alike kept her at a distance. Her haunted eyes seemed hardly affected as they should have been by the tragedy she had survived. And her constant talk of the Undertaker, the God of Death, caused her to be shunned and feared. There was little explanation for the strange things she was able to do, create sounds, cause lamps and candles to flicker, and create illumination by merely touching an object. There was, however, one member of the cathedral that was kind to her, Brother Archon. When Celine was twelve, she found a pale infant bird that had been pushed from his nest. It was Brother Archon that instructed her on how to keep the little one alive. The tiny bird grew to be a white crow, who Celine named Cortez, and he has stayed her constant companion. When Celine was 16 years old, the pull to wander the roads of the district became too much, and she left Blue Peak. She and Cortez traveled from town to town, community to community, their ghostly form in white and their haunting voice creating a stare wherever she walked. Rumors circulate of a fortune teller, her mystical cards holding the secrets of the beyond, her spirit board which she uses to speak to the dead. But to those who see past superstition and fear, the wanderer in white is a protector fighting the abominations that is the undead. To others, she is an healer and caregiver to those whose time is not yet up. For those whose measurements have been taken, she brings peace and reminds them not to be afraid. Her wanderings would bring her to the town of Kreldin, where rumors of dead rising from their graves had floated to her ears. It would be there that her life would change forever, as the Wanderer in White would meet the Reaper.
Nestled deep within the peaks of the Black Teeth Mountains, northwest of Airpike, lay an isolated community where Talia Gray was born and raised. A quiet group of simple folk with a secret to hide. Talia was born of a human mother and the village's leader, a full-blooded lichen, an alpha wolf. There, hidden from the cruelty of civilization, humans, lichens, and half-lichen shifters like Talia lived in harmony with the forest around them. The pack kept to themselves, living off the land and caring for each other as a family. Everything was peaceful, simple, and free. Until one night, three strangers made their way into the community. Armed with guns, loaded with silver bullets, they began setting fire to buildings, shooting anyone that crossed their path. Talia's mother told her to run into the woods, run until she could no longer hear the gunshots or see the fires. Talia watched as her mother left her behind to help her father, but the child was paralyzed with fear. It wasn't until her own home caught fire that she ran from the house out the back, running straight into one of the murderers. The man fell to the ground, dropping his gun as he reeled from an injury. In her panic, Talia grabbed the gun and tried to shoot, but the gun was jammed. Before the man could gather his wits, Talia turned and ran into the forest, still holding the gun clutched in her fist. Talia waited, remaining in the woods and waiting for her parents to find her as her mother had promised. She waited and waited, but her parents never came. She reverted to her feral side, allowing the primal instinct that ran through her lacking blood, living off the land but never daring to return home. During the long nights, she asked the moon to send her the man she had heard her uncles talk about before the attack. A strange man with golden eyes who made wishes come true. She prayed the moon would guide him to her so she could wish for her family back. After two years, Talia finally emerged from the forest, the broken gun still in her possession, and a rage growing deep within her chest. She no longer wished for the man with the golden eyes to bring her family back. Now, she wanted his help to find the murderers who had slaughtered her pack, to bring justice to her family. She spent her time moving around the west and south portion of the district, picking up odd jobs here and there. Eventually, she was able to fix the gun she had been carrying, a silver and ivory six-shooter which she named Retribution. She vowed that she would find the three who had come to her community that fateful night. And when she did, she would kill them with the very gun that they had used to murder her family. With or without the help of the Golden Eyed Stranger. Between jobs, she practiced. Learned to become more deadly with dual-wield and pistols. Slowly, a reputation grew of a bounty hunter with a fast temper and a faster draw. A charmer one moment, 
and a beast with glowing eyes and vicious fangs the next. The shifted gunslinger soon left our jobs behind, taking jobs that would test her skill in bloodshed. It wasn't until a wanted poster went up for a small band of thieves that her name would forever be associated with death. Tally confronted the five bandits, but in the end, they all fell by her gun. She tore off each of their heads, bringing them back to town to present as evidence for the reward money. The sheriff was horrified at the gruesome sight, calling Talia some sort of a damn reaper. The name stuck, and a reputation of blood and death would follow Talia to each job she took on. She wore it like a crown. Hoping to make traveling easier, Talia found herself in the market for a horse. She came across a massive black Frisian, stomping and bucking in agitation inside a tiny pen his handlers had trapped him in. She asked about the stallion and was told by the merchants that the beast could not be tamed. Talia bought him on the spot. She stayed with him all night, patiently waiting until he allowed her to come close enough to touch him. She took care of his cuts, sores, and cleared the caked grime from his hooves. Her gentle and attentive care earned his trust. She named him Huerte, and he was her first friend since the massacre of her pack. He remained her only friend until she was brought to the town of Crailden, answering the call of another wanted poster. There, a strange wanderer in white would look her way across a crowded saloon, and Talia would find herself locking eyes with the most beautiful woman she had ever seen. From that day forward, the wolf would follow the moon wherever she wandered. Thank you so much for listening to Let's Be Legendary. If you enjoyed our story, please rate and review on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps us immensely. For news and extra content, please visit our website at letsbelegendarypodcast.com or follow us on Facebook at Let's Be Legendary, Twitter at Let's Be Legend Pod, and Tumblr at Let's Be Legendary Pod. Please be sure to say hello. We love meeting everyone. To get early access to episodes, art, and exclusive content, consider becoming a patron on Patreon. Bonus episodes, exclusive art, Q&As with the characters, AMAs with the players, and behind-the-scenes material are just some of the things you'll get as a patron. Find us at patreon.com slash let's be legendary podcast. Every dollar helps. We couldn't do this without your support. Talia Gray is played by Chris Sass Council. Celine Argent is played by Megzi Sass Council. And our dungeon master is Danny Gressman. Our producer and lead editor is Danny Gressman. Pronouns she, her. Producer, director, and editor is Chris Sass Council. Pronouns they, them. Producer and art director is Megzi Sass Council. Pronouns she, her. The song, The Shadow of the Undertaker, was written and performed by Sons of Perdition and is featured in the Backwater Gospel Animation Short presented by the Animation Workshop. For more information, please visit sonsofperdition.com or follow them on Facebook at sonsofperdition.music. Thanks again, Zeb.
For music and sound effects, please visit our website at letsbelegendarypodcast.com for a full list of credits. Celine's tarot deck is The Shades of Magic by Jess Gore, and the tarot guide used in-game can be found at biddytarot.com. Thanks again for listening, and stay legendary. Legendary.